Hello and welcome to Mavs Daily presented by the Dallas Morning News, where most days of the week we are breaking down a question, event, news, or trend having to do with the Dallas basketball Mavericks. My name is Bobby Corella. I am from Mavs Digital. And joining me today as we continue our player recap bonanza is Isaac Harris. Isaac, what's up? What's up, Bobby? Man, we're going to talk about some Kentucky Wildcats today. So, Scooter Tomlin, this pod is for you. He has to be tuned in for this one because it's just all Kentucky. Yeah, the Big Blue Nation is uh, is very, very happy with our decision to group both of those guys together. And, of course, Isaac is a huge North Carolina fan, but he does hail from Kentucky. And so it feels like I, it was like only right a, to have you on with us. I feel like we've had a decent amount of Kentucky players. I feel like every time the Mavericks sign a Kentucky player, I always text Scott or I talk to him in the locker room like, how did you do this again? You pulled this off again. Because even, I mean, yeah, from DeAndre Liggins and Nerlens. Aaron Harrison. Yes, one of the Harrison brothers. Bobby's favorite player, Rajon Rondo, went went to Kentucky. Yep. Yep. I mean, I just feel like we've had a lot of Kentucky players over the years. Yep. Some worked out better than others, I guess we can can say that. That's a great statement. Yeah. Playoff playoff Rondo is apparently a thing. So, I know in Dallas, playoff Rondo is a thing, too. So, uh, apparently that's a, it's a new thing now playoff Rondo. Mm, yeah, it's it's great to watch him succeed so much with the Lakers. It's just awesome. I know everyone is very happy about that. Isaac, from our local high schools to the pros, the Dallas Morning News has got North Texas sports covered, and it's more than just the scores. From all the off-season moves to in-season adjustments and maybe even postseason glory, the DMN has got the inside scoop on your favorite teams, players, and coaches. You can follow every goal, save, bucket, and touchdown as the Dallas Morning News delivers real local sports journalism from the press box and locker room straight to your inbox. As soon as the podcast is over, head to dallasnews.com sports to see what Brad Townsend, Callie Kaplan, and the rest of the DMN gang has for you there. Okay, so today, as Isaac has said, we are not only talking about two players that went to Kentucky, but we are talking about two players that have hyphenated last names which is a very exciting thing the Mavs did this season, was basically just load up their roster with hyphenated last names. It was awesome. We were, of course, talking about Michael Kidd-Gilchrist and Willie Cauley-Stein, and we'll start with MKG, who was uh, kind of, I I don't know, maybe not a surprise part of the bubble, but he did play a pretty big role in some of those Mavs games, uh, some of the comeback wins in the regular season, and then he also got on the floor a couple times in the playoffs, including banging in a couple threes in the first quarter against the Clippers in game one, which is pretty awesome. But uh, uh, MKG, of course, he's a seasoned veteran. It's hard to believe he's been around since 2012. Uh, It feels like he's been around for ages, but he's still only 26 years old because he came out after winning that championship with Kentucky as just a 19-year-old young lad. So uh, let me just make sure. Okay, yeah, he has not turned 27 yet. He does actually next week. So happy early birthday to MKG. Uh, But anyway, everybody knows what this guy's about. Big, burly wing defender, plays really physical, really in-your-face defense. It's it's honestly pretty fun to watch him out there work on the defensive end. And then uh, the jump shot changed a little bit, and, and it did, like we said, he, he made a couple against the Clippers, and so it did produce some results. But uh, generally, Isaac, you know, he only played in 13 games with the Mavs, so we don't have a lot to go off of. But what do you think about MKG, the way he fit in with this uh, team this year and, and, and all that good stuff? Yeah, so, you know, he – he was drafted in Charlotte, played his whole career in Charlotte and over, you know, with this new small ball era, this was kind of his shot, man, to, 
redefine himself because I wouldn't say his career has went the way he really envisioned it probably uh, coming out as a number two overall pick in the draft and but with this small ball era and seeing guys like Draymond and seeing guys like PJ Tucker um, even guys like James Johnson whatever it's like seeing these guys that can play this small ball four even small ball five at times that maybe don't have a knockdown outside three-point shot this was like his time and it was kind of weird for him in the, his last year in Charlotte this past year because he started off the season kind of playing this small ball five. And I thought he played decently well. And then Charlotte just benched him. and was like, hey, we're just going to go complete young. They're going to go a whole different direction. And then, bam, trade deadline comes. He doesn't get traded. And then he gets waived from Charlotte. Dallas comes in, picks him up off waivers. And I remember talking to him when he first got to Dallas. And I was like, hey, you're healthy. You're good to go. Everything. I remember you playing the five in Charlotte. It was working. He said, yeah, it was working. And then I was just not playing. He said, I'm healthy. I'm good to go. He was super excited to be in Dallas. He was raving about Luka and KP playing with those guys and raving about the defense and defensive energy he was going to bring to this team. And he did, you know, it was kind of a wild card. It's like, Hey, like he wasn't, he wasn't killing it in Charlotte, but we all, I feel like a lot of people knew that there was defensive potential there for sure. And, you know, he came to Dallas and it was kind of hit or miss some, even in the bubble, you know, he was, uh, you know, he was inactive for those first, you know, he got to the bubble late a little bit. And then those last four games of the regular season in the bubble, you know, he, he played four, four games that last game against Phoenix. He played 21 minutes in that game against Utah. You know, he came in and played 18 minutes against Utah in that bubble game. He was a plus 21 in that game, but it was the Clippers game. You know, that Clippers game one game, they throw him out there. He has some, and I think Mavs Twitter and everybody were like, MKG? He hits two threes, and we're like, let's go. This Was this the secret weapon that Rick was just holding in his back pocket the whole time? And he guards Kawhi decently. He got, he got some foul trouble a little bit there, but I think that was a small glimpse for him of this is what he can be. And I think when you – if. He's if MKG is sitting there looking at playoffs and saying, man, what's the role I can play for a good team in the playoffs? It's looking at PJ Tucker and saying, how can I, how can I develop my outside shot to where I can at least be respected like PJ Tucker is from the corner, but have the defensive, you know, it, I don't even know, approach and impact have the defensive impact for a team like Houston that PJ Tucker gives, that's the role MKG can give to a team at his peak, whether it's in Dallas or somewhere else. Yeah. And now, I mean, PJ Tucker is one of the most unique players, maybe in NBA history, but MKG is a menace on defense, man. I mean, yeah. he can really, really guard guys. And um, it was something to see whenever he was on Kawhi. Now he did get caught for uh, with, with a couple fouls, got kind of his hand in the cookie jar a little bit a couple times, but that's to be expected. I mean, everybody was fouling Kawhi. But, I mean, you, you talk about kind of his idealized self. I agree. P.J. Tucker archetype is really good. Uh, MKG can defend wings, but P.J. primarily defends bigger guys. But MKG can defend those guys, too. He's, what, 6'8", and every bit of, what, 240, you think, 250? I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a pretty big guy. Uh, so, he, what is he listed at? 6'6", 230? What? I think it's a little bit more. I don't believe it. Well, with shoes, six eight. All right, so take that, NBA. Oh yeah, no, I think I think he's legit six six. Yeah, yeah I, basketball he, he reference says bigger. He's six, I mean, six. I don't know. He he looked bigger than Kawhi whenever they were whenever he was guarding him. But I don't know. Whatever. I don't know what I'm talking about most of the time, Isaac. So this is nothing new. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, he definitely belongs on the floor. He can defend at a at an elite level, um, especially in isolation. I mean, he's not giving anything away to these bigger guys, and that's been kind of the Mavs' biggest sort of Achilles' heel defensively for a really, really long time. Is you know they had they have Dorian Finney-Smith now kind of as their defensive ace, and before that they had Wesley Matthews, even going back to Sean Marion. Um, all of those guys are, you know, n- not the tallest guys ever and not like the strongest guys ever. So they can defend quicker guys, but, you know, Marion is like a Hall of Fame caliber player. But, uh, you know, Dorian and Wes both sort of at times kind of struggled with like the LeBron types and the Giannis types. Now everybody does. That's not new. Um, but that's sort of the thing that the Mavs have, have had a hard time stopping. So, you know, it's good to see uh, it's good to see MKG come in here and make his impact felt that way. But, of course, the outside shot. I mean, we talked about it whenever we talked about Josh Reeves and Antonius Cleveland a few episodes back on Mavs Daily was, you know, if you're going to be a wing in the NBA, especially if you're going to be a wing. Now, P.J. Tucker plays center, but he still shoots it. If yeah. you're going to be a wing-sized player, you have to have the outside shot. Uh, and I know MKG is probably tired of hearing about that. That's been, like, the story of his whole freaking career. So it is what it is. But – um, it's just something that that's got to happen. So he put in a lot of work. His form looked a whole lot better, uh, with Dallas than it did earlier in his career. And so, you know, maybe he found a little something there, but, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is you just have to have that outside shot. And uh, if he can do that, then he's definitely an NBA caliber player because I mean, he can defend, he can shut anybody down. Um, and, uh, you know, big, strong guy, play multiple positions, guard multiple positions. So, it's all there, but it's just that outside shot, which, you know, unfortunately is – it's uh, that's not going to be something that you can just sort of overlook or, or, or play off, you know. What What's crazy is he just hasn't really attempted them very much. I mean, yes, he's, he hasn't been effective in shooting the three for sure. But even looking at his first – what, his first six seasons in the league, he shot 36 threes in his first six seasons combined. Like his first season, nine threes. Second season, nine. These are three point attempts for an entire season. Nine, nine, zero, seven, nine, two. And it's like, that's his first six seasons in the league. And it's like he knew, like, I don't even think he got to even try to develop the outside shot when he early on in his career because of the form and everything about it. I remember when in that, when I was talking with him when he first got to Dallas, I asked him about it. And I said, hey, what about your shot? Like everybody talks about your shot, your form, and everything, and he he just brought up confidence. He said, "I just I gotta have confidence in it. I've you know worked on it my whole career. I've tried to make it better." He says, "It's just having the confidence in that." And he knows that defense is a strength, but without the shot, it just limits lineup flexibility. Because especially in the playoffs, especially with a team like Dallas, you can't afford to have two players on the court that can't shoot. So whenever you bring that to the lineup, like your defense is amazing, but whenever he steps on the court and if he can't hit the outside shot consistently, then that limits the flexibility because then automatically you can't throw another guy on the court who can't hit an outside shot because MKG is that guy. And that's why transitioning to that kind of small ball five role, when he when Dallas first signed him, I remember one of the first thoughts I had, I'm like, dang, he's going to be a backup five. Like legitimately at six 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 seven six eight whatever he is, he's gonna be a backup five spot because KP is is taller, and I guess we can like say he's the five because he's seven three, but MKG's gonna play the Rick Carlisle. Let's put our center in that box, you know, role of of a big man. So it, he became, hey, we're gonna you're gonna roll. You're not gonna. So that's the thing. If he can ever do it, 
and develop it just i mean let's just get to 32 percent at the at first or maybe it's going to take a team that if you know he's he's an unrestricted free agent this summer and we don't know if he'll be back in dallas or not it might take a team saying hey we like your defense so much that we'll give you a shot and say let's just take them kind of what like what philly's doing with ben simmons like let's just like just take them and let's try and let's try to get some confidence in you it might take a team saying We'll live with the misses if we'll just let's, – let's just get you comfortable taking them. And when he took those couple – you know, he took – I think it was three in that game against the Clippers in game one, and he hit the first two. Like, everybody freaked out about it. But, I don't know, it felt like you could see a little bit more confidence in him when he hit those two shots. Yeah, one – I mean, he's so good defensively that, you know, the, the threshold – the threshold for most players to be, like, playable – and this is really lame, whatever. I don't even really like talking about this stuff, but – the threshold for most players to be playable from a shooting standpoint is much higher than it is for MKG because there simply just aren't a lot of guys that can defend the same way that MKG can, you know? Yeah. And so uh, if, you know, a lot of guys will have to be whatever, 36, 37% or something to be out there for heavy minutes. MKG, like you said, I mean, he doesn't have to be nearly that high because he is so good defensively. And to his credit too, I mean, a lot of his uh, on-off splits – in Charlotte were extremely good. Like when he was on the floor, he had a positive net rating in Charlotte uh, all years of his career except for two. And one of them was his rookie year whenever that team was like 12 months removed from winning seven games uh, in, in that lockout shortened season. And then his on-off splits were very good as far as, you know, being the team was significantly better with him on the floor than they were with him off the floor. And they did go to the playoffs one time and they were always, you know, kind of flirting with, uh, you know, fringe playoff contention and everything like that in Charlotte. And so he can definitely play. I mean, and he's, and he's a valuable player. But, yeah, I mean, it really is just – it's all about the shot. It's all about the shot. And and you got to keep coming back to it because it, it just is what it is. But um, – Trivia question for you. Do you know why he wears the number nine? Because I actually asked him why he wears the number nine. He's a big and, fan of Rondo. Don't tell me that that's why. No. He is a big okay. fan of Andre Iguodala. Okay. And he said it's also there's nine days difference between his daughter and his dad's birthdays. Oh, that's cool. March or something. But, no, he, he specifically mentioned Iguodala. And when I was asking about his defense, he threw out Marcus Smart, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, James Johnson. Those four guys, he's like, hey, I want I watch those guys' tapes. That's what I believe I can be in the league. And I, I do. I, I think he can he could contribute like that to a team. It's just it hasn't hit yet for him in his career. But he's still just 26. So I'm hoping he does get – he does whether it's in Dallas or somewhere else, I'm hoping he does get an actual shot because he is, like you said, he is a really, really good defender. Yeah, and all of those guys also struggled with shooting earlier in their career, and even Iguodala still does. Iguodala's never really become kind of that extremely yeah. efficient or consistent three-point shooter, and so um, it can be done. I think those are good players for him to sort of obviously model his defense after because those are some of the best defenders of our generation, but um, you know he does have that in common with them as well, just the, the, the need to sort of develop that shot. So, uh, so there's MKG. We'll see what the future holds for him, but it seems like a good dude, and so hopefully it all works out. Uh, moving on to Willie Colley Stein. So he was not with the Mavs in the bubble. Uh, he stayed back for the birth of his first daughter. Congratulations to uh, to Willie and to his family. Uh, by all accounts, everybody seems to be doing well. And so that's that's what's most important. 
Uh, but he did play 13 games with Dallas before that. In those games, he averaged five points, four and a half rebounds, and shot 68.9% from the field. So you can round that thing up to 69 if you want. Um, everybody nice. knows what he does, man. Really, really big time shot blocker. Uh, in Dallas, he only averaged 0.8, but per 36 minutes, let me scroll down here on basketballreference.com. Great website. Ha- ha- has per, to be over two. Yeah, it was two and a half blocks per 36 minutes in Dallas. This season overall, he averaged two blocks per 36 minutes, and he also averaged uh, one and a half steals per 36 minutes. And that's like, that's pretty salty stuff from a center to be averaging that many blocks and steals. You want productivity on defense in, a, in, a, in addition to just like impact and, and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, he didn't play too many minutes in Dallas, but he did have a, enough time to kind of show what he's made of and everything. And so uh, what did you think about him and the, and the limited time we got to see Willie? Yeah, I love when Dallas made this trade. I mean, that was the, you know, Dallas loses Dwight Powell for the season in that Clippers game. Devastating. You can't replace a guy like him in the locker room and everything. But they lost their rim roller. And that was what Dwight brings to this offense and to Luca and these guys. And so Dallas went out and they're like, Hey, we'll send a second round pick to golden state and we'll take, you know, Willie Cauley Steinbeck. And when that deal first came through, I saw it on my phone. I was, I remember driving like, man, that's a steal. Sign me up. Like I, I love this type of flyer. And they bring in Willie. And like you said, he played in those 13 games, but you know, he didn't have a huge, like there was only two games that he played in over 25 minutes in. And in both of those games, he, he did have 10 rebounds in both those games. He was a plus 25 in that game against Charlotte uh, back in back in early February. Uh, oh, he was dominant. End. Yeah. He was that, dominant that, in that game. Yeah, he had 15 points, 10 boards in that game, uh, two blocks in that game. It was a fun one. I was actually going back. This is how I was spending some of my evening. I was actually going back and watching Willie Cauley-Stein highlights and tapes. And uh, I was watching all of his pick-and-roll possessions because – he, he is really good in a pick and roll. And, you know, I think if he had extended time, even when you're looking at some of the synergy numbers on it, uh, he only had 24 possessions that he was in the pick and roll, but he did score at a 1.4 points per possession. And that's pretty, pretty good. Um, I know it's not as much somebody compared to like Mitchell Robinson had a hundred, I mean, had 116 possessions compared to like Willie only had 24 of those, but even on, if you're familiar with synergy, he was in the 94th percentile as far as pick and roll and, and all of that. But Still, low sample size. I get it for sure. Uh, but I remember that play against Denver. I actually tweeted it out uh, earlier this week. And I tweeted out the, the, the pick and roll he had. I think it was with JJ. To where he had this nasty dunk in the middle of the paint. Everything, everybody went crazy. The bench was going nuts. And my heart went out to the fans for a bit because I just miss fans in arenas. And just the atmosphere of all of that. I'm like, wow i miss it we're so accustomed to watching these playoffs now of like no fans no like i've kind of gotten used to it some so then going back and watch go back and watch some old highlights of like pre-covid and you're like wow i've never appreciated packed arenas with fans more in my life than than that but no willie is a, a great pick and roller um and i i like the minutes that i think yes I much respect for him not for him opting out and everything. Super con, you know, congrats to him and his family. Um, it would have been there was times in the bubble. I'm like, man, I wonder what Will, what Willie's role would have been on been with this team in the bubble and how he could have excelled and stuff. And I think moving forward with Dwight coming back, I wonder what he will do. Leading us talking about what his future may hold, he does have a player option this summer. 
and to where he'll, he'll decide if he comes back for Dallas or, or not. I think when you're looking at money-wise, if he opts out and signs like a vet men with another team, he would be losing roughly half a million, 400000 300000 whatever. So not a huge different, not a huge big money loss if he did sign a vet men somewhere else. Uh, but if he comes back to Dallas, I do wonder, I think he fits that rolling type of role that they brought him in for behind Dwight Powell. But it is kind of, in a way, it's kind of a crowded front court if you look at Porzingis, Boban, Maxi, Dwight Powell being back. But I think what Rick wants in a center position, Willie fits that role and, and fits into that box that what Rick designs for the five spot. Yeah, I mean, because he can he can defend and he can roll to the rim. And yeah. that's generally, you know, that's, that's what you need to do if you're going to play center for Dallas. Um, but, I mean, it is kind of a logjam. And, and that's sort of, I guess we'll see. Uh, we don't really know yet whether Dallas is like all in on KP at the five or yeah. if, you know, once Dwight comes back and everything, which by all accounts he should basically on opening night, whenever that is, uh, he'll be good to go, you know, whether he slides back into that starting lineup. And if, if it is a matter of Dwight is going to be your starting center, you still have Boban, uh, KP will get some minutes at the five. Uh, inevitably, Maxi, of course, can play a little bit of center, although I think he was, he was much stronger as a power forward this year. Uh, playing either next to KP or to Dwight uh, or even to Willie or Boban or any of those guys. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. If, if There are always minutes to be had at center because, you know, guys are going to miss games, guys are going to get hurt and all that stuff. But it really comes down to, you know, before, before Willie got to Dallas, he was kind of starting on and off for the Warriors. Uh, they were, you know, kind of at a different stage than Dallas in terms of because Steph got hurt and, and Clay got hurt and everything. Um, but it would have been interesting if, if – they would have had a healthy team, you know, how would Willie have kind of fit in with those guys? Because I definitely think he can play with, you know, he, he can be on a yeah. good team for sure. I mean, there aren't many guys that can defend the way he can. So uh would have been interesting to see, but yeah, I guess we'll, we'll, uh, he has an option. I don't know what the timeline is on options. Normally uh, it's like right before the draft, uh, which is normally in June. Now, of course, this year the draft is, what, November 18th, I think, is I think when so, they yeah. – Yeah. And so, you know, maybe it has something to do with that. Maybe maybe it's around that date. Uh, but we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be – it's going to be something to watch if, uh, if Willie opts in or not. I will say the wild card in all of this is if you're not following Willie Collistown on Instagram, that's what you need to be doing right now because we could be getting stretch five Willie Collistown who has been – very, very active in getting that shot better and uh, hitting the outside shot. He saw up close what Boban did this this past year, saying, "Hey, Bo, if Boban could be a stretch five, Willie's looking at." I actually commend him a little bit. I I typically um, poke fun at Instagram videos because it's just highlights. Everybody, it's not even a Willie thing. It's everybody out there wants to put out Instagram highlights. But I think it is. I think it's a testament to how hard of a worker he is, too. That's like, hey, I'm not going to just be content with what I've been in the league. That in in the league, that like you have to be able to shoot. And if you can shoot the shot, if he can be uh, kind of like what Miles Turner is in Indiana, of like being able to be a, a a shot blocker, but also being able to hit an outside shot too. If he can actually develop that over the next few years in 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 his career, it could like add years on to his career in the league. So I, I commend him for doing that, whether it translate past Instagram, we'll see. 
but it's it's still a wrinkle and kind of a question mark wild card uh, a card up his sleeve that if Willie steps into a camp next year and he's draining some threes in preseason it's going to raise some eyebrows with some people yeah absolutely and I mean you could say the same thing about Dwight Dwight is a world-class rim runner but you know if he can't hit that outside shot then you can just sort of drop on the pick and roll and it makes everything a little easier to guard a little more predictable and all that stuff and Willie to his credit too I mean he's a pretty skilled guy I know Nerland's kind of whatever that whole thing sort of ended weird for everybody so I don't know how everyone feels about Nerland's but Nerland's a really skilled player too and Willie does have a little bit of that to his game. He can handle yeah. the ball a little bit. I think he, he made a couple behind-the-back passes. Uh, you know, he can he can pass whatever on the move. Uh, he's got really good touch with both hands, right and left, around the he basket. Does, yes. So, uh, really, really skilled player. And uh, so, I, I like his game a lot. And, uh, yeah, I mean, add, adding a shot would obviously – it would do wonders for him because, uh, you know, he's already a good player as it is. If he can shoot that outside shot, then he's going to be great. But – uh, but yeah, all right. Well, that's that's good stuff. Uh, any 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 final Willie takes or MKG takes before we get out of here? Um, yeah, I think just with two of these guys, I I think they're kind of at a similar spot in their careers. Honestly, of you know they're around the same age. You know, Willie's what twenty six. What's Michael Kidd Gilchrist? Is he twenty six? Uh, tw- well, Willie just turned twenty seven, and oh, MKG yeah. turns twenty seven soon next week. Okay, so they're roughly around the same age, but I think both of them's kind of at the same similar spot in their career of like, Hey, you know, they're not, um, I think it's safe to say both of them would say, Hey, they're not where they would, would have liked to been, you know, going back to draft day for them. But I think it's two spots in their career that, Hey, if both of them, if, you know, Willie can excel at the, this rim rolling spot, if he can potentially add an outside shot, if MKG, I mean, it feels like a broken record. We're talking about people adding an outside shot, but if MKG can show that his three point shot and outside shot is at least respectable enough to where he can be on the floor because of his defense, that's the next step to both of their careers, whether it's in Dallas or not. And they're both looking at off season to where, you know, MKG is unrestricted. Willie Collistown could be unrestricted if he opts out. They could be choosing their own spots and rotation, like a place for minutes, or if they want to be on a winning team, or all this different stuff. They're at, they're both at a unique spot at 26, 27, six, seven years in the league that what they decide this summer could determine what their future looks like moving forward for the rest of their career. And we'll be pulling for him every step of the way on Mavs yep. Daily. I know Mavs Daily. Well, of course, Isaac especially and Scott uh, Scooter Tomlin, big Kentucky fans. Now, again, Isaac, you're a North Carolina guy, but is is Kentucky's kind of like your whatever adopted team or sort of like your your stepbrother team? Or I mean, you 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 like them, right? I don't I don't mind. I'm not the biggest fan of Coach Cal. Um, I have to admit that I'm not the biggest fan. Uh, growing up in Kentucky, I would say it like a lot of states to where if, uh, one college kind of dominates uh, Louisville and Kentucky, but Kentucky fans have been very, very annoying. Every fan base has annoying fans, but there's a lot of Kentucky guys I like. Uh, let's just say that there's been very few, uh, very few Kentucky teams that I've actually like absolutely despised, but I like MKG. I like Willie and especially them being Mavericks and us, we've gotten to talk to them in a the locker room and interview them and kind of get to know them a little bit. And, uh, they're both great guys. And man, I, I wish them nothing, but nothing but the best, especially with Willie and the newborn and all the stuff bringing in a newborn in the time of COVID. Uh, I'm, I, I was right there with him and bringing in our daughter, my wife and I. And so much respect to him and his, him and his spouse and new family and everything like that. I wish him nothing but the best. Yeah. 
There you go. Well said, Isaac. Well said. And uh, go Michigan. How about that? And, and Kentucky, too. Okay. And Kentucky, too. That's fine. Uh, all right. Well, that is uh, that is it for us today on Mavs Daily. We will be back with you at some point. We're, we're usually going every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So whenever the next Monday, Wednesday, or Friday is, circle that date on your calendar and be sure to uh, leave us a subscribe and a nice review and a nice rating and, uh, and all that good stuff so that you can listen to every single Mavs Daily episode. You never know which player is going to be next. Today was MKG, and today was Willie Colley-Sign. Who's next, Isaac? There's only a couple guys that we can guarantee won't be next because we've already talked about some guys during our player recap bonanza. So if you missed anything, uh, go check it out as soon as you can. And uh, for Isaac, you can find you can well you can follow Isaac first off on Isaac L. Harris Twitter. It's been so long since Isaac's been on an episode, I forgot all of his uh, all of his bio. Uh, you can follow him at Isaac L. Harris on Twitter. You can listen to him every day on Locked On Mavs, and they do every day. They're not cheating like we are and just going like thrice weekly or anything. They're doing the dang thing. So uh, be sure to check them out as well. And you can always catch him and the rest of us from Mavs.com most days of the week on Mavs Daily. We'll see you next time.